And you're listening to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for clicking in. We've got a great guest for you today. Two great guests, actually. Uh, well, once an individual is taken into custody, it is the responsibility of officers to protect and ensure the well-being of the individual. I've been called to scenes of in-custody deaths and those investigations that often call for a medical opinion rather than an obvious cause. It's common for offenders to have pre-existing medical conditions, they have general poor health, or may, they may be under the influence of alcohol or drugs. And these conditions may not be apparent until it is too late. Even medical pre-screenings may not give us the full picture of the incarcerated individual's health outlook. Well, we will hear from CEO of Foresight Labs and his creation, Custody Protect. It's a new device that monitors custodies in real time to alert officers of any health emergencies while they are in custody. And John DeFalco is the CEO of Foresight Labs. He's a Silicon Valley executive who's built software for Cisco Systems, Adobe, Autodesk, and others for two decades. Well, now he's brought together a team of artificial intelligence engineers and SOCOM veterans to build public safety solutions. With him today is Ian Ostier. He is a former Marine and a former member of the Intelligence Committee. And uh, it's great to have you both on the show. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much, Tim. Great to be here. So why don't you give us a, a, an overview? Uh, John, tell us exactly what's Custody Protect? How's it work? How'd you think about it? So Custody Protect is a system of sensors and apps that the police and corrections folks will use on people that they detain that monitors those detainees continuously due to, to detect any sign of risk in case they need medical help. And the way that we came up with this is that I've got a lot of friends in law enforcement corrections where we would just kind of talk about the challenges that they've got in safely arresting and detaining people. And you know, the, the drug epidemic that's all over the country has made a hard job an impossible job. And the reason being is that, you know, drugs are making people incredibly fragile. And it's really, really tough when you take someone into custody, they can have all kinds of problems where officers have no way of knowing what's going on. When you lock people up in the first week of incarceration, people are separated from drugs that they're addicted to, start going to the DTs. Suicide rates are sky high in county jails across the country. And it just occurred to me, like if I were in their boots, I could not do a better job. In fact, I could not do nearly as well as they are. And so that's when I realized is that these folks, they need new tools to do this job because the wor their world has absolutely changed. Oh, for sure. And you touch on the opioid crisis here in San Francisco. We had over 700 for the last 12 months of uh, 2020. And the CDC re revised their numbers. I think earlier they were talking about 71,000 deaths nationwide, and they're actually looking at more like 90,000 deaths. So it's a real problem. And like we just talked about, the, the health conditions of these individuals is unknown. They get booked into custody and they go in a cell and then they're ours, right? They're, they're ours to, to check on. So tell us about some of the successes so far. So, so far we've had great uptake from some agencies that are, uh, that are early adopters. And, you know, there are progressive chiefs out there and, and sheriffs that have been scanning the horizon looking for solutions because they know 
they got a problem, right? And so we've actually had folks reach out to us and start to ask about our technology. We've rolled it out to two agencies so far. We're just getting it to market, but we've had great uptake. We've got more than 10 agencies in our pipeline that are a mixture of state agencies, large city agencies, and smaller ones as well that are going live over the next 60 days. So the, the real benefit is the folks out there doing the job, they realize like, okay, we got to kind of change up how we do it because we've got a, the challenge of how do we keep folks protected that are in our care and custody, right? So the, the great wins we've got is that folks are out there that are, that are supporting this, rolling it out. We've even had support from unions because the union folks realize, hey, we got to not only protect our custodies, but now with reform coming down the pipeline, even at the federal level, we got to protect our careers, our livelihood. So like we need stuff that will have our backs. We've had a lot of wins across the board. Well, clearly there's a market out there, right? You have 18,000 law enforcement agencies in America. And um, our audience is mostly law enforcement officers uh, of varying degrees. Some people want to get into law enforcement. But to backtrack a little bit for our our uh, sheriff's deputies that have custodies for the police agencies, the smaller ones that may still keep uh, prisoners in custody. Uh, walk me through how this works. So I'm imagining that, and and tell me where I go off the rails here. So I bring in uh, some a burglar, right? And he's a little hazy, but he passes the screening test. And then what, you put a Fitbit on him, you put something around his chest. Uh, how's that work? It starts before that. It actually starts before, so I'll have Ian kind of walk you the process. So honestly, you know, it's not just the person that you bring in to put into a detention facility, it's the person you arrest on the street. So basically we've pioneered two models, one that can be is light and easy to take to the field. So an arresting officer can immediately after a individual is cuffed, put our product on him and start monitoring his health. And the idea being that as soon as possible, we wanna put this monitoring into effect in case that person is near the ragged edge, just ingested a stash of whatever. And uh, we just don't wanna have the problem in the street. You know, George Floyd, Freddie Gray, who'd been arrested so many times before, had complained about his health issues, but you know, maybe they didn't listen so closely because he had complained before. If this device were on him, you would know, hey, this guy is not in great shape. It's time not to go to jail. It's time to go to the hospital instead. So once the cuffs go on, the sensor goes right on the wrist when you're out operationally on patrol. And this device starts monitoring that person's health, looking at that person's movement. Anything that is suspicious, it fires off red alerts that appear on the officer's department issued phone. And if the officer for, let's say it's not tactically feasible for that officer to respond, in real time, that same alert appears over at comms. So dispatch knows that that custody is in trouble. They can radio for backup. They can radio for EMS to get to the scene. It will also appear in real time to the patrol sergeant. So he can roll up on the scene and supervise. It will go to the OIC, the officer in charge for that duty shift so that you have accountability and transparency. When we detect a problem with the custody, the officers on scene get alerted, the supervisors get alerted in their hierarchy for that duty schedule, and then comms gets alerted so that everybody is kept in sync for situational awareness. Oh, that's great. So, well, thanks for clarifying that, Ian. So 
uh, you can have the cuffs on and then it slips right over maybe above the cuff and it's yeah. it's worn on yeah. the wrist. And you got it. Slip above the cuffs and, you know, it's a very small package that would be very easy to put on, you know, a duty belt or anywhere on your person. Fits in a mag pouch. Very easy. Couple nice. ounces. Okay. So, wow, you're ahead of the game. So in the field, transporting to the facility, anytime there's a life-saving issue, it's apparent. You got it. Keep it on during transport. So like, I can't tell you how many times I've heard the story of, I'm transporting the guy and he had a stash that we missed during the pat down. He fished it out while cuffed, mm -hmm. swallows it to get rid of evidence, ODs and dies. And it's a story that plays out over and over. Like in the moment, look, the, the detainee is desperate. They're terrified. I get it. They're trying to figure out any way out. They make a bad call and that kills them. And the officer has no idea what's happened until right. the drug toxicology and autopsy is and it's, it's too late. Mm -hmm. This technology is predictive where you swallow that stash as a detainee and we detect those changes in your heart rate and fire off our alerts where we've got a golden window where we can get that detainee help and detox them right there and then with paramedics where you can save the person's life and stay out of the headlines. Awesome. Well, that's good news for the, the transporting officer and the offender as well. So what have the challenges been? I, I saw briefly that the ACLU has challenges on just about any new AI. Um, what's been your opposition so far? So there's definitely any time you make changes, it's hard to do. So look, law enforcement and corrections are typically very traditional places where changing how officers do things, it's a change in working conditions, change is hard. It involves unions to agree to changes in working conditions. Those are things where it takes work to do that. Setting up new policies also takes legal signing off. It's great that we've gotten support from the brass, from the unions, also from legal to do this type of stuff, but that's all work and it's all difficult. Um, we've been engaging with um, with a wide range of community members to get uh, their input on this and, and show them, hey, here's what we're doing and we can do this in such a way where everybody gets a win so we're going to save lives where like the most important thing is kind of preventing death whenever we can preventing injuries wherever we can that's critical we save officers careers because when an arrest goes south like this an in custody death regardless of who did what it absolutely destroys officers careers the potential loss of qualified immunity now at the federal level is a massive threat to everybody's careers. So we need to get in front of preventing these types of deaths. And then the, the tremendous cost financially to cities where this is a thing that now we, we have such massive financial exposure when there's an in-custody death that not only are our settlements massively expensive, but just the responses of managing civil unrest, riots, we've seen that we can literally tear our cities down. The only way to win this game is to keep the headline from ever happening. That's what we're completely focused on. Yeah, well, you would think that it would sell itself that both sides of the table should see the advantages of this. And that's what we've found so far. You know, when we've uh, reached out to both sides of the aisle, so to speak, we have been very warmly received by both sides. And we've had really good conversations with people from the activist crowd who, once they understand what we're doing, 
they they embrace it. They embrace the idea. And yeah. that, you know, in terms of policy going down the road, you know, that's really above our pay grade, how that's all going to be set. But so far, this seems to be a, a product that both sides sincerely embrace. Yeah. Everybody's got a horse in this race. For sure. Well, I mean, some AI has not fared so well. I mean, we, we know people are opposed to drones and they think it's an intrusion and it's flying over places that shouldn't be. And uh, the DigiDog in New York uh, did not fare so well. Uh, the DigiDog got sent to the uh, the doghouse, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, so but in our case, the AI is simply set up to save lives and collect that data. It's not doing anything insidious. It is no surveillance. simply designed to interpret data to save lives. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, the DigiDog stuff and kind of surveillance in general with AI, things like facial recognition, those ha have serious civil rights consequences, privacy, all of that. We don't do any surveillance and we don't do um, we don't do any facial recognition stuff. And what we do is basically monitor the individual that gets arrested. We monitor what they're doing. So they're already on multiple cameras, body cams, dash cams, cell cams, all that type of stuff. Once you get arrested, you basically don't have an expectation of privacy. But even then, all the data that we collect, we do so in a HIPAA compliant manner. Um, HIPAA actually has clauses where we can collect and share this data in real time to members of law enforcement and corrections for the purpose of saving lives, which is exactly what we do. We take care to prevent any kind of access to that data. We retain data per department policies that our customers dictate. And once they tell us dump the data out, we destroy it, no trace of it. So it's all about protecting lives first and at the same time protecting the privacy of the detainee. Because, you know, like we were saying, like we need to make sure that those folks also get to go home in one piece. That means protecting them in their vulnerable time and also protecting their privacy, which is like what we bake into the corporate culture from day one. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's good. So we got the coverage from arrest and transport. Let's talk about custody in a minute, but first I'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor. Police1.com is the number one resource for your up to the minute law enforcement news, training and incident analysis. Our mission is to provide you with the information you need to better protect your communities and your safety. Becoming a Police One member is quick, easy, and free. Once registered, you will receive access to secure law enforcement-only training and video tips, articles and sections, and a subscription to our award-winning law enforcement newsletters. Go to policeone.com forward slash registration to sign up today. That's police one, the number one.com forward slash registration. And we are back with John DeFalco of Foresight Labs and uh, Ian Ustier, who's, uh, who's also uh, from Foresight and telling us about the, the, the technology and the aspects of uh, the sensor. And so this makes sense to do monitoring of custodies that alleviates the need for physical monitoring, like having deputies and correctional officers from actually having to look at individuals. Uh, who's monitoring this? I'm the, I'm the transporting officer. Am I driving, say I'm a solo car, one man car, I'm driving back and I'm checking my phone to make sure all the lines are green. 
Uh, no, Jim. So you won't have to check your phone. The uh, app is designed that if there is a problem with the custody, it will alert. It will make a noise. It'll make a sound. And let's just say for some reason you were distracted and didn't see that noise or sound, the uh, dispatch will also get that. And then if you don't respond and clear that code, we'll radio out to you, hey, what's going on? You know, hmm. there's, there's a problem with your custody. Okay, that's great. Okay, so recently uh, in California, Sheriff's Department was sued and found to be required to eliminate disturbances of custodies during sleep periods. So apparently the deputies were physically checking to see if the custodies were breathing and it was a requirement. And sometimes they do it at you know, intervals of two, three, four hours, two o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, and then also to get custodies up and ready for court appearances for an eight or 9 a.m. court appearances. They're waking them up for breakfast at four or 5 a.m. Um, but for those custodies where you're just checking to make sure they're alive, I'm sure this is a boon. Indeed. So uh, we were just recently having a conversation with some officers who worked in the detention environment, and they had their own reasons for not wanting to awaken, you know, a custody that was in a cell. And they were very welcoming of the idea of going, being able to look at a screen and realizing that custody was healthy and breathing. You know, we're not recommending that you, you know, forego your routine checks and walking by the cells of the individuals who are incarcerated but it certainly does allow you to understand their health and not question if that person seems to be oversleeping. Mm. Now, if, if somebody forcefully removed the monitor from their wrist, um, could you tell that or, or would Absolutely. it just- Absolutely. Okay. So in either environment, whether it would be the patrol model or the detention model, if it's removed, it will alert. And okay. so therefore, you know, vectoring officers to that presence. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, this, to me, it makes sense for custodies, right? Uh, from the beginning through uh, incarceration stage. But now, you know, in California and across the country, we are releasing, you know, prisoners early release. They haven't served their complete sentence, but whether it's from COVID or overcrowding or what have you, um, we've released, you know, 10, 20, 50,000 uh, prisoners a year. Um, and I'm wondering, are you thinking about this for parolees, people under supervision of the court? We've definitely been looking at the out of custody monitoring needs. We think that um, there's, there's definitely a big need there because of the level of release that we've done. And we still have people that need close monitoring to kind of make, make it on the road back. Um, we've got some stuff coming down the pipeline that's in that space. Um, Really, our mission is kind of making sure that we protect human health and safety in custody situations and out of custody situations. So we're just getting started with the stuff for law enforcement and corrections because we kind of go where we're needed. And right now, like the big burning need for the country is getting it right for the folks doing these jobs. And the quick follow on is looking at protecting human health and safety outside of these custody situations. So, yeah, we'll be going there next. Yeah, I think I think there's a good fit there. I mean, we oftentimes, uh, especially for early release, they may not have been through a drug rehab, and they may still have that opioid addiction. And then, you know, we're supposed to be watching them, but we, in in all honesty, we just turn them loose and expect them to see a parole agent maybe every six weeks or so. 
Yep. It's definitely a, a challenging road back for folks. And we think that technology is a part of the process to try to keep people making progress where like you've seen it up close, you've done the job, you know, like the opioid crisis has, it just has deep claws into folks that are going through the process. And we think that we can kind of help with the process of them going on the road back. Nice. So I think we're wrapping up here. What's what's next on the agenda for you and Custody Protect? You want to take that one? Well, we're just going to continue um, displaying the and, and showcasing the product, you know, throughout the law enforcement industry, and uh, hoping to protect and save lives and get better as we go. Yeah, we're rolling out to our agencies, so we're busy doing deployments. Ian and I are off to Colorado on Monday to roll out the next one. And really the next big step is start to showcase the wins we've got of, of helping folks out that would have otherwise slipped through the cracks and showing, hey, here's how we can start to really use innovation to protect people and to, to prevent the next headline from happening. That's our mission. Yeah, well, that's great. I know you have a couple of agencies uh, already under contract and you're looking at several more. I can't wait to see the follow-up uh, reports and studies about how it works. And, and no doubt when if they're good, that, that we'll see the expansion. Love to have you back and, and get some updates later on in the year. We would absolutely love that. Thank you very much for the invite. All right. Well, thanks for being on Policing Matters. So how can our, our listeners hear from you or find out what's, what's happening? Go to our website, foresightlabs.com. It's the number four, S-I-G-H-T, labs.com, or just go to custodyprotect.com. You'll see all about our product and what we can do, how we can help agencies, and then you can contact us from there. Um, you can also email me directly anytime. I'm john at foresightlabs.com, and I'll get right back to you. Wow, okay. So John DeFalco, Ian Ostier, thank you so much for the information, the, uh, the innovation uh, to help police in the field and deputies in corrections. Um, great job. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jim. Hey, and for our listeners, thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoyed today's program. And Drop us a line if you'd like to hear uh, some different ideas, some different speakers. If you're enjoying the show, take a moment, leave us a review, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. And if you can get in touch with me, if you want to get in touch with me or anyone on the team, just shoot us an email at policingmatters at police1.com. That's police1one.com and drop us a note, share your ideas. And you may turn up on a mailbag and we'll highlight your, your message. All right. Take good care and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. I'm Jim Dudley.